Are the constituencies too big or too small? Are two-seat constituencies better than three or one seat, or indeed all island elections? Is our electoral system fit for purpose? And if it is, why do just over half the electorate turn out to vote? Electoral Commission Chair Sally Bolton and her colleague Nigel Davis are looking for the answers. You may be pleased to know Beth is doing the interview this week. She began by asking Sally Bolton why the Electoral Commission was established. Well, the Electoral Commission was set up um, following the report of the previous Boundary Committee back in 2013, uh, where there was a recommendation that every 10 years the boundaries and um, the any other aspects of um, electoral process were reviewed by a, uh, a body, um, which has now been appointed as the Commission, uh, so that things like the um, in, that the equality, principle of equality can be followed and that anomalies which might arise, for example, changes in population or, um, or any other uh, administrative or, or other sorts of procedures that might have come, come about can be reviewed by the Electoral Commission and changes can be put in place so that uh, the system works both more efficiently and um, taking into account the principle of equality. You're obviously no stranger to elections, Sally, a returning officer as well. Is that how you came to be in this role particularly? Is it something that you especially wanted to do? Well, I wanted to do it because I had actually been the chair of the previous Boundary Committee and I felt that there were things that could be continued and that I would like to be involved. And I applied to be a member and um, I think possibly because of my previous experience, I've been uh, appointed the chair, which... uh, like it or not I've got I'm going to have to take on and um, I'm very much enjoying it and Nigel how did you come to be part of this I I, to be honest I just saw an advertisement on select or electing members of the uh, electoral commission I I thought it'd be interesting uh, to be part of that uh, as I am one of the few members of the commission that doesn't have either a legal or a civil servant background so I can bring a different perspective. And that's really important, isn't it? Because very often we think about elections and we think about all the protocol that goes with it. But actually what we're talking about here at its very heart is how we make elections more accessible. How do we make people more aware that they're even going on? What would be your overall view of the election process so far, Nigel, on the island? Well, um, this is a good question because actually I've only been on the island for about a year and a half, so I only arrived after the last election. So I'm actually learning not only from the CPA report that was uh, published after the uh, election took place and through my uh, uh, part of the being part of the Electoral Commission and, and receiving evidence from members of the House of Keys and other parties that are, are stakeholders in the uh, in the election process, including the public meetings that we will be uh, 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 taking place in the next few months, along with uh, the public consultation, uh, which we're going to be publishing on gov.im. So, Sally, I mean, if we talk about elections, I mean, the main thing that we think about is voter turnout. And that's mm. that's what we want, isn't it? Mm. As many people as possible using their right to vote. Yes, indeed. Um, and in fact... Voter turnout is fairly consistent on the island. Um, inevitably, the highest turnout appears consistently to be in the more rural areas. Um, there appears to be less engagement um, 
perhaps in the in Douglas um, and some of the other uh, more urban areas. But what we aim to do is to uh, expand the reach both of, of this consultation and also to inform um, people who might not be um, engaged in the process, who may not be aware of the process in the Isle of Man or not even be aware that they are entitled to participate in it. So as part of our consultation, we are going out to <coughs> various different ethnic groups um, where we can reach them. Uh, we are going out to other, uh, other bodies such as charities involved in disabilities because one of the uh, highlights of the CPA report was that there were, uh, that in certain areas, there were people who felt that they were not able to engage fully in the electoral process because they, it was more difficult for them to access the um, the um, polling stations. And so really what we are looking at is across the board how to make the voting process uh, both more accessible but also easier for people to participate in. And we have um, accessibility is one of the parts of the Tinwald resolution that we have uh, been instructed to uh, consider. And we are taking the view that accessibility should be as wide as possible. And we've identified various different categories of people or groups of people, um, both people who are either new to the island or um, may have language difficulties. Then there are also um, other uh, groups which who might have uh, disabilities in other in other areas. We're also looking at people who might be time poor. So we're looking that leads us into things like a use of different methods of electronically processing the system. Um, and uh, I think there are some more, but the, there are, we, we identified five distinct categories that we, we wanted to address and we're trying to, um, trying to get as many, uh, as much engagement from the population generally and particularly those areas where voting might not come as a matter of course. Um, I, I think one of the, the issues there you picked up on is, is really interesting. And if you think about the, the transient population in the Isle of Man or maybe those people who are who are newer to the island, that awareness of whether you are eligible to vote, I think, is is a key one, it would seem, because yes. particularly you're talking about the, the town voters. Have you had any response so far from that, from your initial findings? Well, we haven't yet started the public consultation. The public consultation will, I hope, be up on the government website um, in the next fortnight. Uh, and then we are, as we did before, we are going out to have public meetings in the four corners of the island, and those will be publicised in due course. But um, what we have already to done is taken evidence from the various uh, political members and any views that they or the experiences they may have had in reaching particularly in Douglas the um, the community that are generally regarded as transient people living in the flats in different parts of Douglas where there might be houses of multiple occupation all of these people may be entitled to vote if they have been on resident on the island for more than a year and I think that a lot of people uh, don't realise that. They think it must, might be a, a much more rigorous process. And in fact, if you do look on the government 
um, on the government website, gov.im, and look at neighbor, uh, house, housing and neighbourhoods, I think, home and neighbourhoods. Um, and then the elections and voting part to that, uh, then there is a link to how to, uh, to, to enable you to register to vote. And it doesn't commit you to anything, but it means that you are on the register and it makes the voting process much easier if you are there. I wonder, though, Nigel, if we make it as easy as possible for people to vote in the Isle of Man, that's one thing. But what do you do about that inherent feeling that some people have that, you know, politics means nothing to me? Uh, these people, I don't know who they are. I don't know what they do for me. It's, it's got nothing to do with my life. That is a mindset. And I don't know how any commission, no matter how thorough you are, can change that. Yes, it's a difficult question and certainly one group of uh, people that we are engaging mm. with through the public consultation in other ways is the youth mm. of the island who what we're, what we're hearing so far is that they're not very well uh, educated on the processes and of government in the, on the island and therefore really have no or little interest in the election process as we uh, as we have it today. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because actually we're very forward-thinking with giving 16-year-olds mm. the right to vote. So why aren't we more guided towards ensuring that they, they know what that right's all about? It's a, a very interesting question. I think it starts with how do we educate at school uh, and how do we get engagement of the youth of the process uh, in a higher level than it is today. I think that's where it really starts. We have to start at the, ed the educational level in schools. And I think we also need to make sure people understand that it does matter, that voting does matter. Um, it may be on a relatively short or small scale and we don't have the same sort of political parties as they do in the UK where you can adopt an ideology the beauty of the Isle of Man in many ways is that you can pick and mix in many ways and ha and adopt ideologies of different parts. But really, we've heard this from the MHKs, a lot of the MHKs we've talked to, that they feel that there should be more engagement in the schools. But then I think possibly perhaps the, the politicians may need to do that sometimes themselves. So. I was going to say that actually some <laughs> of the onus surely has to be on the people mm. who are standing for election because it's all very well saying you know the system should do this that and the other but actually I wonder if we look back at 2021 how many of those candidates went into schools how many of those candidates on the doorstep asked to speak to the youngest voter well, available? Well I, I believe they did have um, I think in uh, I think it might have been at Bemahague or St Ninians they had a, a almost like a speed dating session which apparently went very well so something like that might be useful um i think that some of the school some of the schools did have their the candidates on on the stage to have people asking questions but i think that might have been a, a slightly more cumbersome way of doing it i think it's possibly a, a matter of of getting together and trying to work out the best way of engaging the youth prior to the election not just when the election is a, is about to happen. But then I suppose, Sally, could it be argued, you know, people grow into politics, don't they? Because when you are 16, as much as there are things, obviously, that happen within the political world that affect you, 
directly it doesn't it doesn't feel very relevant whereas you, you do grow into it when you you settle down you you have a family perhaps and you pay taxes that that's when it feels a little bit more real so can we really expect to change that mindset of younger I, people I think that's probably pushing water uphill isn't it but um and and when you're young and well even older you might be more interested in issues-based politics which is fine um, and uh, that might bring you into politics, into the to political interest um, itself. But I think um, really, even even myself, I didn't become interested in how the process worked and understand how the process worked until I was involved with the first boundary committee. And um, it is it's it's fascinating and extremely important for our democracy. Um, so yeah, I'm very committed to it. I'm happy to talk to anybody about it and I hope that as many people and especially the young young people are able to come to some of our public meetings and uh, challenge us and talk to us listen to us and listen to the other people who are there it's it is actually um, very very important and it's all very well letting it slide but if you do that then somebody else will maybe step in where perhaps they couldn't, they might not have in the first place. So that's that's the thing, and I think it is important that people do uh, not necessarily be constantly engaged, but that at least in the elections they exercise a right that is not available to an awful lot of people in the rest of the world, and we should be valuing that very highly. You talked a little bit about accessibility and uh, with regard to people with physical disabilities, we know that at various uh, stations, polling stations, there were issues with people physically getting into the uh, polling stations to cast their vote. I know there was one example of someone I I remember speaking to where they had to bring the, the paper outside and, you know, that doesn't make things very easy. I suppose naturally then it raises the question of electronic voting. I mean, can you ever see a time when we will be casting a vote just using our phones from the comfort of our own homes? Well, I'll, um, I'll let Nigel answer that. We have been looking at that. Um, there are two parts to the process, really. There's the there's the registration part and the and ticking people off, which at the moment we do with a pencil on a big piece of paper uh, on election day. But uh, that quite uh, we are advised anyway that that is quite easily scaled up to uh, there was an experiment um, in uh, one of the Douglas constituencies and that is apparently quite easily scalable to the rest of the island the next stage is perhaps rather further off and Nigel's done a lot, quite a lot of research in other jurisdictions to see how that might be done but it really might change the whole structure so perhaps yeah. um, Nigel can help. <laughs> uh, we definitely believe this is the direction of travel uh, for the island and for many other jurisdictions. Uh, what we found out so far is that there's one specific country in Europe that has really taken it to a... Well, they're the leaders, basically, in, in internet voting, which is Estonia, who uh, started... They were world first in 2005, which is you know 18 or so years ago, with the first internet voting. Uh, as another stream of voting, they could, you know, the population could still vote manually or by post or by proxy. Um, and the first uh, parliamentary elections were held in 2007 in Estonia. There have been 11 elections, including internet voting, since then until 2019. 
and over, and there were two elections in 2019, both for EU Parliament, Parliament and uh, Estonian, and over 40, 44% of Estonians voted via their computers, iPads, phones. So it really is uh, something that we would like to understand more, because obviously there are concerns about cybersecurity and you know making sure the vote is how you voted when it lands in the system. Uh, and is not infringed in any way. So there's a lot to learn, but we have a, a really, really great example, a world leader very close to us, who we can get all the learnings and implement in the future, not necessarily in next election, uh, but you know, do some pilots, do some practice, understand what it means and get there. So I think it's definitely something we should be looking at very, very seriously. And with that Estonian model, you say 44% voted via their phones, the overall turnout, was that significantly increased? Uh, well, I, I don't have numbers for that, so I don't want to comment, but clearly we would expect, given the accessibility of your sofa, which I think we all have access to, uh, we, we would expect some further increase in turnout. Hmm. Yes, because one of the accessibility headings is people who are time poor. So at the moment we have postal voting, which assists from that. And we are looking at how that might be expanded and made easier. Um, but there are also, um, you know, that it may well be that, that people who have um, less time to go down to their polling station or or um, even to do a, 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 an advanced or postal vote, might find might be picked up on, on an online vote. So those are things that we are looking at. But I think that, if I remember rightly, Estonia has an awful... has Their, their population are all electro, electronically registered. So the population is all, is all listed um, as in the first place. So that would change our own mindset uh, be a big change to the Isle of Man's mindset. So we'll be a, there would be a big it would be a big step to get to that far. Because it's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, those electoral forms have to be continually updated because population changes. Mm. We know that people moving in and out. But I, w I wonder sometimes this al almost seems to be a little bit of fatigue amongst the population. So I think, oh, you know, what does yeah. this actually mean? Why do I need to do this again? Mm. If there was some way, I guess, of, mm. of simplifying that. I mean, that's everything seems to be moving in that direction. Well, that's right. The the electoral register really is is the ma the basic tool, and if that's not correct or reflective of the population it does skew things and um, really that's why we are encouraging people to register and to ensure that they are engaged in many different ways in, in life on the island. Now last time the postal vote um, was changed I think I think I'm right in saying that anybody could apply for a postal vote and yes, that again correct. was yeah. trying to make it a little bit mm. easier for people what do you know so far about the the uptake with regards to that how well that went It went quite well um, there were quite a lot of postal votes cast um, I don't have that figure in front of me but I think um, I think it, it was a, a good proportion. But the problem about it was that the verification of the identity of the people meant that there was a lot more work for the deputy returning officers on the day. So we're looking into the process of that to see if we can speed it up and make it easier. And certainly if we were able to 
digitally register to vote and then register our postal vote, that would, I think, make speed up that process an awful lot more. And then it would, in real time, cross the name off when that person's postal vote had been cast. So we think that as part of the administration, that would be a big, a big bonus. I think it's just fair to say, isn't it? There's so much that goes into making an election happen. You mean you talk about some of the people behind the scenes. There is so much to think about. And actually, I suppose a relatively short time in order to to get the evidence from people and to Mm -hmm. to look ahead uh, to the next election. What is it, Sally, that you're really hoping to achieve with this commission over the next few years? Well, um, what I think we are hoping to achieve is to, I I would like to have streamlined the postal voting, advanced voting system. Um, The other part to our our remit is the number of boundaries and whether the boundaries should be changed. We would want that to be in place if there were to be any changes. So far, we have not really had any strong views that would lead us to change what we have at the moment. But, you know, we may get more views in from the public, which we will take into account. So at the moment, we're looking more at the process rather than the fundamentals, because I think that was probably set out and it seems to be reasonably um, un, um, uncontroversial uh, in the previous Boundary Review Committee report. So I think probably those things are, are, seem to be more settled than maybe changes to the boundaries um, where there have been population changes that might be taken into account. Um, but uh, I think that the principles of how the elections are run, we would like to set something in motion that would be a direction of travel, not perhaps to be all implemented in the next election, but possibly the election after that. So. We would like to be in the forefront of of developments in this area, taking into account all of the security and other types of of issues that that could be done. And because we are a relatively small jurisdiction, we're only dealing with sort of eighty five thousand potential uh, electorate. Then uh, we can perhaps make more. Uh, challenging decisions than than perhaps they might do in a, in any other places. Well, I think as uh, Sally mentioned, I think we need to um, get the boundaries right. If we have to change something, we should make sure that's in place before the next election. And definitely, I I don't see any reason why the Isle of Man cannot be really uh, a, f- a vanguard for this part of the world in in internet voting. We have online, as I said, in the next fortnight, there should be the um, online consultation, which we'd ask as many people to have a look at and and participate in if possible. We also have public meetings. Um, The first one is the 25th of May in Ramsey Town Hall, 6.30 till 8. The second is for the East at St Andrew's Church Hall in, um, in Douglas. That's on the 15th of June. Um, the south we have on the 20th of June at Arbury Parish Hall and in the west on the 29th of June at the Corran Hall. So uh, please come along and let us have your views and um, we're, we're interested in, in whatever you might want to say. And just 
finally, if anybody wanted to, to let you know their views separately, can they contact you outside of those times? If they put in the online on the online consultation, there is room for putting in views into that. I would suggest that that will pick up most of the um, of the comment that um, the public will be wanting to say, I would hope. That was Sally Bolton and Nigel Davis of the Electoral Commission. Do you think it's a good thing that we review the electoral process every 10 years? Do you think it should be more often? Let me know your thoughts on the programme by contacting philgorn at manxradio.com and get in touch if you have any ideas for future shows. Don't forget this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn. Goromayo, thanks for listening. <laughs>